0: I'm attorney Michael Elkins, and welcome to episode 24 of Sports Talk with Jeff and Mike. Jeff and I are two lawyers combining our passion for sports with our legal critical thinking skills to bring rational, thoughtful analysis to the podcast world. In this episode, we welcome back former New England Patriot and Philadelphia Eagle Ellis Hobbs. Ellis discusses all things New England Patriots and the National Football League. So sit back and enjoy... Episode 24 of Sports Talk with Jeff and Mike. All right, good evening, everybody. Welcome to episode 24 of Sports Talk with Jeff and Mike. It is Thursday, November 30th, 2017. This is Michael Elkins here with my co-host, Jeff Kamenetsky. Jeff, welcome
1: back. Welcome back, Mike. It's been a couple of weeks. good to be back on the show and... Uh... How was your Thanksgiving?
0: It was good. It was quiet, um, low-key. Happy belated Thanksgiving to you Thanks. and to your family. What did was, you do?
1: I was up in New York and uh, spent the week up there with my, my wife and the girls and uh, my brothers up there. It was cold, perfect weather for football and, and turkey and uh, family. So it was, uh, it was a nice week up in the Northeast. So uh, back uh, back here in South Florida and ready to talk some sports.
0: And so you ate, you ate well. I'm assuming.
1: Uh, well, I mean, if if well means a lot, yeah, that's what I mean. well, Then I ate well. Excellent. I, Excellent. I, I ate really a lot. So when I get back, I have to get back on a, a better regimen. But that's what it's about: yeah. it's football and food. And uh, love it. I love it. man. Yeah. yeah. Favorite holiday.
0: So we've got a great show for everybody tonight. Uh, we're going to talk a little college football first. We're going to talk about the playoff, some of the games coming up this weekend, the conference championship games, which are going to have a huge impact on what we think is a chaotic. College football scene right now, a lot of coaching changes and coaching rumors. We talked to Ellis Hobbs last night. Well, actually, I was able to talk to Ellis because Jeff was traveling, so uh, we will get to that in the NFL portion of our show. Ellis has some really interesting takes on the Patriots Dolphins game that happened last week. Bills Patriots, Eli Manning, and the comments from Mike Tomlin. So we'll get to all those things from Ellis. Uh, but first, let's start off with this day in sports.
1: So I know we all remember this game. This is the <coughs> this was. Iron Bowl back in 2013 known as the Kick Six game. So that game <clears throat> was Auburn Alabama, everybody remembers that game back and forth at that Iron Bowl. Great game and Auburn tied it late fourth quarter 28-28. Remember watching that game, I figured all, this game's going overtime and then we all know what happened after the Alabama drives down and attempts a game-winning 57-yard field goal.
0: With no um, time on the with clock. No I time think.
1: on the shot. So they drove all the way down. For one second, maybe. And um, yeah, like one second. And um, I remember watching this long, long field goal. And I go, all right, he missed it. We're going overtime. I almost took my eyes off the screen. And then Chris Davis from Auburn, standing way back, makes um, <laughs> history, right? And he's going and place going crazy. And he returns it all the way for a touchdown. Auburn beats Alabama in that iron ball 34 28. And, um, man, that was an incredible game. Were you watching that live?
0: I was. I was actually in Gainesville. Um, I'd gone up for Florida, Florida State weekend. We were all – I don't remember what bar we were in, but I remember the whole place was completely captivated. And um, as as he ran it back, I mean, the place went nuts. I was just looking at this now. It's such a historic game. It actually – CBS posted an 11.8 rating for the final half hour of the game. And at that time – yeah, that's a huge number, by the way. And at that time, that was the highest rated, highest rating ever achieved during a college football broadcast. I don't know what surpassed it, but yeah, and there's been
1: watch, yeah. As I was watching that, did you do you recall a game that ever was like that ended? No, like, I mean never, right? And
0: it had everything because Auburn, Auburn was you know right there in the hunt for the SEC you had Alabama, right. who was undefeated. It's the Iron Bulls, so it's right. probably it's what I think is the great the. One of the greatest rivalries in college football, I think it's between Auburn, Alabama, and Michigan, Ohio State. But that's a different debate for a different day. But, yeah. um, and I'm not sure anybody thought Auburn, Alabama could be beaten, let alone beaten that way. I mean, Alabama. I'm looking at it right now. Was favored by 10 points in that game. Yeah, 10 you know, points.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's it. I thought Alabama this year could be beaten. We're, we're going to talk about. We're going to get to in, that in a little bit. But that was a historic game, yeah. and that's what happened uh, um, four years ago on this state sports.
0: Yeah, so let's. Uh, that's a great segue into college football. Let's talk about what's happening with the playoff and what's going on this weekend. So right now in the playoff, Clemson one, Oklahoma two, Wisconsin three, Auburn four. On the outside looking in, Alabama five, Georgia six, Miami at seven. I think those are the Alabama, Georgia, and Miami still could get in um, first. What do you think about the top four? And then let's talk about these uh, these games this weekend.
1: All right, so we're looking at – let's see here. Um, well, Clemson – There was that? Clemson won Alabama, Auburn two, correct? Clemson won Auburn Oklahoma. Two. Oh, that's – I'm sorry. I'm looking yeah. at the AP. Excuse yeah, I think the playoff yeah. rankings are Clemson, Auburn, Oklahoma, Wisconsin, right? With that's Alabama, right. Alabama, Georgia looking in. So so, Al, so, I think it's right. You know, Wisconsin's not getting a lot of love, um, and I'm glad they're four because they deserve to be in there. They're undefeated playing for the Big Ten Championship, um, best defense in the country. And uh, I think I think I agree with those. I think I agree with that. Miami drops down to seven. Ohio State eight. So, in answer to your question, I think that looks like it makes sense to me. Right? Auburn beat the number one team in the in the country, so they jump up to number. Twice two. they twice. beat the number one team right. twice. It's, it's correct. Georgia. They beat Georgia. They, Georgia's got a chance with some revenge. Um, I, I I was impressed by Auburn. So I think the standings make sense, and of course. It all depends on what happens this Saturday with uh, with the big conference championship game. So I think yeah. the stand- standings look good. And, uh, look, Ohio State is sitting there at 8. And they have a chance, if they win the Big Ten, perhaps, to get in the top four. To me, that's the biggest question. Really? I think that's the biggest so question.
0: So let me reset this. It's the football playoff ranking. I mistakenly gave you guys the AP. It's Clemson 1, Auburn 2, Oklahoma 3, Wisconsin 4, Alabama 5, Georgia 6, Miami is 7, and Ohio State's 8. How do you see Ohio State getting in? Because I don't see that. Uh, well, I see I, the Big Ten being left out. If Ohio well, State beats the, Wisconsin, how could you put Ohio State in with two losses? And those are two bad losses, by the, the big, way.
1: The Big Ten has never been left out.
0: But um, they will be this year.
1: I don't know. Why? I, I, if I, Ohio I, State
0: I, beats Wisconsin, why would Ohio State get in?
1: Because they're the Big Ten champion, even though they got killed by Iowa. That's the controversy. So who, um, but, so who gets I can, in from in in Alabama? You,
0: Yeah, I can tell you why that won't happen, because like you said earlier, Wisconsin undefeated has not gotten any love. This is their first week in the top four. An undefeated Big Ten team has had to basically have Auburn beat Alabama to get into the top four. So I think if Wisconsin loses, they are not going to elevate Ohio State from eight to four because they don't respect the Big Ten. Clearly, they don't because it took forever for Wisconsin to crack the top four.
1: Yeah, but they respect them because the Big Ten is always in. in as, they haven't shown since, it this ever year. Since the playoffs uh, have been doing it. Look, they have never. There's never been a two-loss team in, and is, and they've never left the ACC and Big Ten out. Something's going to give this year, right? Something's going to give because Auburn's a two-loss team, Ohio State's a two-loss team, um, and
0: Ohio State is not getting into this playoff.
1: We'll see. We'll see. Um, so you're saying that it's going to be. Alabama, right? The second SEC team as it getting in regardless of what happens to uh, – Well, if Wisconsin, no. if Wisconsin wins, they're in. You're saying Ohio State wins. Who, who gets in ahead of Ohio State?
0: If Ohio State wins, it'll be Alabama. Depending on what happens with Auburn and Georgia, I guess. I think Auburn's going to beat Georgia, and they're going to beat them soundly. So Auburn will be in. Clemson's going to beat Miami. They'll beat them soundly. Oklahoma's going to win. I think Wisconsin could lose. If Wisconsin loses, I don't know how do you how do you let Ohio State jump Alabama when they're two places behind them? How does that happen?
1: That's it because they give a lot of deference to a conference championship. That but way, they don't
0: respect what, this conference this year.
1: Well, well, all of a sudden they don't respect it. in the past they what have. What do you mean all the No, no, all the of a sudden ten, it took big, big how, long it
0: Wisco- how long did it take Wisconsin to crack? No, that's the playoff. they don't
1: they don't respect Wisconsin because Wisconsin look at the Because of Wisconsin's weak Big 10 schedule. Because I agree. I agree. Well there you go. Well that's Wisconsin. But they but they feel differently about Ohio, Ohio State's a very good team and they feel big time difference between Ohio State and Wisconsin. They they give Wisconsin no respect and to be honest, I think Ohio State's going to take Wisconsin fairly handily. I think they're a much better team. So I'm I'm not disagreeing with you, but I don't think it's clear cut that the Big 10 champion if Ohio State wins doesn't get in. I know they love Alabama and they're going to find a way to get out. Look, even if, if Georgia loses they're out that's two losses it's Auburn wins and Alabama is next up online
0: now Alabama will be out if Wisconsin Oklahoma now, and Clemson all win
1: yes if, yes but I'm saying the SEC champion uh, SEC championship the loser is out
0: the loser is out absolutely
1: okay because Georgia will be out with the second loss.
0: But I'll let me ask you this: loss. Why would a two-loss Georgia team be out over a two-loss Ohio State team?
1: No, Georgia will be out uh, because Alabama, Alabama's a one-loss SEC team. Georgia's a two-loss SEC, team.
0: and that's it, my point, though. Alabama,
1: that's why well, Ohio State would, can't would get, get in, in over Georgia.
0: Alabama well, would get in over over Ohio State too.
1: I don't know. What if What if Ohio State crushes Wisconsin? Doesn't matter.
0: No, it won't matter because Ohio State has two losses, and I don't think the committee respects the Big Ten. Certainly not this year, at least.
1: Well I I think they respect Ohio State and they don't respect Wisconsin. So I don't think it's a conference thing. So we'll we'll see. I I think they'll they'll find a way to bring to get Alabama in. So I I'm probably going to agree with you if Ohio State wins. But I just don't think it's it's that clear cut. So I think Clemson beats Miami too. I think uh, what's and I think go ahead. I think Auburn wins. I think Oklahoma wins. And I think Ohio State wins. And then the fourth team will either be Ohio State or Alabama. But you, know, you could be right with
0: Alabama. I think what's fascinating is you have a you have a weekend where legitimately, legitimately, you could say Clemson, Auburn, Oklahoma, and Wisconsin all could lose. Uh, all of them could lose.
1: Yeah, I don't think Oklahoma's going to lose, but I could see Wisconsin losing. I could see Auburn losing.
0: Well, I don't think uh, it'll happen, but it's legi- yeah. it, It's not clear-cut yeah. that Clemson – it's not a 100% guaranteed Clemson's going to win, or Auburn, or Oklahoma, or sure. Wisconsin. All these games, I think, are going to be somewhat competitive. And I certainly think going in, it's not one of those where you look at it on the TV and say, I don't really need to pay attention to that. It's probably going to be a bloodbath. It's yeah. probably not going to happen.
1: I think you're right. I think it's conference championship games. The biggest spread, I think, is the uh, Clemson game, right? What is it, like nine yeah. and a half or something? So and if, that's, I, if I had to pick one, I'd probably pick Clemson, followed by maybe Oklahoma. Wisconsin might surprise. They got a great defense, a, a very good running back, um, but a quarterback to me that makes some mistakes. And you know, you know Ohio State. Um, JT Barrett had a great year. I didn't realize. He yeah, was he hurt. has. Thirty-three touch. I mean, he's and he was hurt last game, right? That incident at the sideline, but. If he's back and healthy, Ohio State's a good team. But, you know, look, I'm, I'm not going to say you're wrong. I, if Ohio State wins the Big Ten, I wouldn't be surprised if they're left out.
0: So what's your prediction for the playoff? Who's in, who's so
1: out? I think Clemson wins ACC. They're in. I think Auburn beats Georgia. Uh, and they're in. I think Oklahoma beats TCU. They're in. And I think Ohio State wins the Big Ten. And then the, the big question is, do they get in over Alabama? And uh, you're probably right. You're probably they're probably going to give it to Alabama with a one loss to a team that ultimately might be number one. I mean Auburn is that good. So uh, Ohio State's big loss to Iowa really, really, really yeah, hurt, really hurt them. I mean that, that sure did. If they lost by a field goal or something, maybe it's still Iowa, but they got crushed. Yeah, so they did. You're right. So the Big Ten champion being left out could be the first year that it's happened.
0: Yeah, I think it's going to be um, Clemson, Auburn. Oklahoma and Alabama. Uh, yeah. I think I Wisconsin is going to lose to Ohio State. I think it'll be close, but I don't see how um, Ohio State will jump Alabama, especially since Ohio State is 8 and Alabama is 5, and Alabama has no game. They're just going to sit and wait. So I don't think Ohio State will be so impressive, mainly because the committee doesn't like Wisconsin. So they're not going to elevate Ohio State – with two losses over Alabama, two three places over Alabama with a win over Wisconsin when they just don't like Wisconsin.
1: Let me ask you something. What if TCU beats Oklahoma?
0: More now. chaos. <laughs>
1: not, <you> <laughs> no, and football, I think lawyerly, I'll tell
0: you. You're well, right. uh, yeah, well, here's what I think. That's going to depend on how close the the Auburn-Georgia game is and how close Clemson-Miami is. So if Clemson beats Miami or vice versa in a last-second whatever, last second field goal or overtime, let's say, or, you know, by three points, whatever it is, then if Oklahoma loses, Miami will jump or Clemson, the you know, the winner of that close, the loser of that close game will jump up or same thing for Georgia Auburn. Um, well, I'm sorry. Yeah. Same thing. Yeah. Like, yeah. Same thing for, well, Alabama will slide up if Wisconsin loses and Auburn's out if they lose. Georgia would be in as a one-loss. I mean, it's it's chaos.
1: It's chaos. So, but is there a better chance? I love it. Ohio State gets in. So no. if, T, if TCU lose, uh, beats uh, Oklahoma, Oklahoma drops. Say say Wisconsin loses uh, to Ohio State. Alabama will be. So it'll be Clemson, Auburn, Alabama, and who's the fourth team? Is it? Is I think
0: TCU- it depends. If the Clemson Miami game is really close,
1: you think they're going to give Miami the fourth if they lose? If no. they
0: lose, if they lose in overtime or it's really close, yeah, absolutely. Why would why would Ohio State jump Miami?
1: Miami lost to Pitt.
0: Ohio State lost to Iowa.
1: Yeah, but, but Miami <laughs> lost. Right, and they sorry. play. In, and
0: Miami plays in a much tougher conference.
1: So you're saying if Clemson and Miami would would get in, if possibly, Oklahoma, if the
0: game Oklahoma comes Trump down in. to like, yeah, if the, if the game is really close, yeah, I think so. I think that's a possibility. It's a, it's a far, yeah, it's it 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 would take a lot for that to happen, but it's not out of the realm of possibility. Yeah. I mean, really the thing is what happens if Clemson, Auburn, Oklahoma, and Wisconsin
1: all lose. <laughs> and that's real. That actually could happen. So then, so then it's Miami. It's Georgia. And then it's, and then, and <laughs> it's,
0: then it's Alabama, Obama. Miami, Georgia, Alabama. Alabama and then Alabama. I think Ohio state, that's the way I think Ohio state gets in. Maybe
1: not. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, right. Auburn's three losses would, would eliminate them. Um, Oklahoma, that would be their second loss. So Oklahoma, oh, oh you're saying Ohio State, but Oklahoma beat Ohio State,
0: uh, right? So, but Oklahoma is not a conference champion, and Ohio State would be <laughs> chaos. I love it. I just absolutely. I'm, that's what, so. I'm rooting for Miami, Georgia, TCU, and Ohio State on Saturday.
1: I'm rooting for Wisconsin. It's something about that team I like. So anyway, the yeah. bottom line is I'm just rooting for chaos. Is Saturday is going to be a great, great. Can't miss. Television. Yeah, it, it
0: really know. is. I think it's going to be one. Uh, it could. It's, it's setting great. up to be possibly one of the best college football championship weekend days. We've I hope ever you're right. Seen. I hope there's I hope. This close, game. yeah.
1: close games. Yeah, it's going to be great. So what happened with all these coaches, man?
0: Okay. Well, yeah, it's the coaching carousel in college football might be one of the coolest things in sports. And I have a little message for um, my Florida Gator fans out there, my friends who are Gator fans and the Florida fan base as well. The guy's got Dan Mullen. Congratulations. That's a really great hire. But uh, listening to this Florida fan base from the time McIlwain lost his job to the time Mullen was hired, I really... I guess I never believed the national rumors that it was a super entitled sort of um, blind fan base in a way. And I don't mean blind like they don't know football. They obviously know football, but blind to what the realities of the college football landscape are you know i i had to hear these fans talking about you know chip kelly going to ucla and if he wants to win championships he'll come to florida and then scott frost wanting to go to nebraska same thing if he wants to win championships he'll come to florida the only place to win championships is florida and look i i like the gators i've rooted for the gators you can go on my facebook and find me in a lot of gator gear at the swamp but are you really telling me that you can't win a national championship at UCLA or Nebraska, and you think Florida is the place? Listen, Florida Gator fans, I got news for you. First of all, Nebraska rolled you in a national championship game in the Fiesta Bowl in 95. So to say you can't win a national title at Nebraska is, is ignorant because they've done it, and they beat you to do it. Second, last I checked, Florida had three national titles, and they've been playing college football a long time in Florida. Third, since Urban Meyer left... The Gators have been relatively relatively irrelevant, and for that matter, the SEC East has been relatively irrelevant. So the, the tide has changed, Florida fans. Um, Florida's still a top, top, top program. Don't misunderstand me. Great program, but not number one anymore, and not certainly not so good that if you choose to go to UCLA or Nebraska, you can't win a national title, and you can only do it from the SEC. That makes no sense. So... Um, my message to Florida fans is great job on the Dan Mullen hire, but I'm not really sure where this entitlement to national championships is coming from or this idea that these other Power Five conference schools, um, somehow you can't win there. That doesn't really make a lot of sense to me. And by the way, Florida, you're knocking UCLA. Last I checked, UCLA's produced guys like Troy Aikman. Name the last NFL quarterback Florida ever produced. I got news for you. Right. It's Tim Tebow, and that didn't go well. Right. So let's all just calm down, Florida fans. It's not quite... The rose garden, you think, at Florida.
1: Yeah, good point. Okay, I, I mean, rant over. Good point. Rant over. That's fine. Um, <laughs> <laughs>
0: Sorry, it's been bothering me all week.
1: Yeah, no, I haven't heard too much from my uh, Gator fans, but I'm I'm interested to hear uh, what they feel about this this new hire.
0: Well, I mean, uh, Mullins a good hire. He's Don't a good I mean, hire yeah, my, great yeah. hire, great hire. But this, you know, the thing at Florida that's really interesting is they point to Urban Meyer because I, I had this conversation with some friends. I said, look. You've got a lot of problems there because the facilities are much, much older, and the school just hasn't put the money into the program like other places. And the response was, well, Urban Meyer won with the same facilities. Yes, he did. But LSU, Alabama, Texas A&M, and Auburn had not come online with their new facilities. So the world was different then. The world was not the same the college football landscape has changed, and in my view, Florida fans still think it is the same as when Urban Meyer was there, and they they hold almost no accountability to the administration, none whatsoever, and from my perspective, the bigger problem is the administration, not the coaching staff or the coaches, although those were issues, but who's hiring those coaches? I mean, they haven't done anything since Urban Meyer. It's been a disaster, right. and a very weak SEC East, by the way, right. which is still very weak, so I just think... Florida fans, um, you really have to look a, a little deeper into what's going on. It's not as simple as, we're Florida, therefore, we're going to win. It's not quite that simple. Right.
1: You want to talk about Shiano? <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, I do. I, um, I mean,
1: what happened there? So, I, I mean, they're, yeah. they're, they're all high on this guy. He's an excellent coach, from what everyone says. And, uh, and then social media just just takes over and this huge mm-hmm. uprising against him. And the guy is basically a, a good coach, but he's out of that out of that spot. And God knows what's going to happen to him. He was just a huge uproar. Yeah. And what do you think about that?
0: I think a couple things. First, when Shiano was rumored to be getting the job, Belichick, Bill Belichick had a press conference. they asked him about Shiano. It's it's well publicized. They are very, very good friends. Belichick was effusive in his praise of Shiano. In fact, called him one of the best coaches said that he's personally learned a lot from Shiano, which I think is a huge compliment when one of the greatest of all time is saying they've learned a lot from you. Talked about Rutgers players, how they're, the, the Rutgers players are the most prepared players for the NFL than any other school that he's ever dealt with. We know Belichick has a lot of Rutgers guys on that roster. And then all of a sudden, there's this social media campaign because Tennessee fans either – they, they, they they didn't want Chiano, presumably because of these rumors it's about Penn his State. involvement with Sandusky at yeah, Penn State. Yeah. But the problem with that is it's simply not true. There's just no evidence that Chiano was involved in any wrongdoing at Penn State or covered up anything or knew anything. In fact, there's some deposition testimony out there where uh, several witnesses said, as far as they knew, he knew nothing. So it's really like a lot of triple hearsay that he kind of knew of Sandusky's conduct or witnessed some stuff and didn't report it. That's that there's no proof of that whatsoever. In fact, it's and the evidence on that is, is just like I said, triple hearsay. So I, I understand the Tennessee fan base may not have wanted Shiano from a football perspective. That really makes no sense to me. As far as I'm concerned, if Bill Belichick saying you're one of the best coaches. You should be hired. Listen to Bill. Not, not what you think you saw at Tampa. Um, when Chiano was coached there. And so they launched a social media campaign to get rid of him. And the Tennessee athletic director in the what? athletic department yeah. yanked the offer. But why, so they would had they,
1: a, why would they do that based upon just the this fan reaction? If they really wanted Chiano and believe that he had no yeah. wrong, wrongdoing, I wonder why they'd listen to all of them.
0: Well, I think that that's the question, right? That in my view, that shows extraordinarily weak leadership. You know, you can't I don't think you should be controlled by the social media outcries of your fan base or alumni. Now, look, if some boosters on the back end were saying you can't hire this guy, we're going to yank our support for the program. Well, that's a different story. But I don't think that was the case here. I think this was just Twitter and Facebook and they panicked. And it's a problem for Tennessee because now they can't. There's, who wants to take that job? You know you weren't the first choice. You know you weren't even the second or third choice. And you've got a weak administration at, at the first sign of trouble who likely won't back you.
1: Who, doesn't seem to, like... who seems to listen to what the fan base says, whether they are correct, whether the fan base is correct or not. So you're walking yeah. into a situation that where the administration is swayed by uh, yeah. other factors. It's, it's kind of a...
0: Now, the silver lining to this... No, no, Jeff, I know you're not on Twitter a lot, but for everybody listening, if you are on Twitter, the greatest thing that came out of this was Lane Kiffin's Twitter account. Lane Kiffin, coach of Florida Atlantic, very, very active on Twitter, but he has been trolling Tennessee in ways that are just a daily... that's just hysterical every day. I mean, one of my buddies had a great point. He's like, Lane Kiffin knows how to use Twitter. I mean, it is hysterical. Right down to his tweet... I think it was this morning might have been last night with um, a picture of Kim Jong-un in a Tennessee (laughs) in a Tennessee, you know, jacket on the sideline of Tennessee with just like an emoji with the the emoji with somebody like, you know, thinking. (laughs) I mean, he's been trolling Tennessee the whole time. It's fantastic. And he's been trolling Nick Saban as well, which is even better. Um, so I know you're not on Twitter, Jeff, but if you want some, check that out. yeah, go to Lane Kiffin's Twitter account because it is pure gold. Um, and, but we got some other coaching moves too. Look, you got Jimbo Fisher might leave Florida state. I know your kids are graduates there.
1: Yeah, that's a strong rumor. And I, I personally, I think it's, it's likely going to happen. I think they're, they're ready for a change. I, I, I'd be very sad. I think Jimbo's a great coach, but tennis, uh, Texas A&M is going to offer him dobbs of money. And, um, it might be this time to go. It's going to look Florida State's coming off a crappy year. And if they lose Jimbo, it's going to hurt their recruiting. I hear it's, it's being affected already. So I think we're going to hear something. Uh, Jimbo said he's, he wants to wait till the season ends, uh, maybe after this Saturday's game. Well, well then that means he's leaving. Yeah, probably. Because, yeah, and I, he has, look, he hasn't denied it. And
0: I think he's smart to leave. And here's why Florida fans listen to me on this. Texas A&M is a sleeping giant. They have huge money. Um, major major donors, a lot of Texas, old Texas oil money, brand new facilities. I think I want to say they were in the neighborhood of twelve to fifteen million dollars in, in new facilities. Don't quote me on that number, but it's a big deal. A great great energetic fan base and a fertile recruiting ground right in their backyard. You put Jimbo Fisher there, I and mean, he doesn't have to compete now with FAU, USF, UCF, Miami, Florida. He's I mean, there's, there's the only game in town in Texas. Is Texas a and I mean, Texas right. is – forget Texas right now. Right. So, I mean, right. TCU maybe, but you, where are you going Are going to go to the SEC or are you are going to go to the Big 12? You're going to go to the SEC if you if you have a shot to play at Texas A&M. So, listen to me, everyone. It's a great move by Jimbo. Texas A&M, sleeping giant.
1: Yeah, great move for you because you're not a Knowles fan. But No, right. you're right. Yeah, you're right. It's a good move for Jimbo, and it's going to be a sad day for Noles fans. Yeah. But, uh, his replacement, that's going to be an interesting... I'm not even sure. I haven't heard any rumors, but let's see what happens after, uh, after the season and Jimbo makes his decision.
0: And then the last two, Chip Kelly to UCLA. I think that's a great fit. Kelly knows the Pac-12. He knows the West Coast. Um, be curious how that's going to play out without Nike backing him. You know, he he and Phil Knight were pretty close at Oregon. is right. an Under Armour school, so that's a little different. But, um, you know, UCLA's ha- had some good quarterbacks over the years. I, I think that's a program that... Um, that you, I think you can win there, and Chip mm-hmm. Kelly, I think, is a really good hire.
1: Oh, yeah, definitely. Great.
0: Um, and then Frost, likely to Nebraska. Yep. Which which would be good for college football very to good. rejuvenate Nebraska. Um, <laughs> Florida fans, despite what you think, Nebraska is a very historical program. Um, and, and they're in the Big Ten, which is a great conference. The only problem with Nebraska that I see now is recruiting is tough because – you're kind of in the middle of nowhere there, and it's not. I don't think it's a fertile ground.
1: Right, right. Um, but you no, know, Nebraska's got a tremendous history. And it'll be it'll be fun to get them back as a relevant power again. So we'll yeah, see.
0: and I think Frost is the guy to do that. You know, I was listening to Mike Lombardi's podcast this morning, and he actually made a really good point that the best job he thinks that's available right now is the UCF job. <laughs> I, I know it's be. crazy, but I guess the yeah. fan base is great. The, oh, the the boosters are really um coming through at UCF. And he made a good point. All of Florida, from a college football standpoint, is pretty down right now. San, I mean, University of Miami is good, but they're not what they were. Florida, Florida State, all down. Um,
1: UCF and USF, <laughs> believe it or not.
0: Speaking of which, did you see that game?
1: I saw the end of it. Wow. Crazy, right? One of the best games I've ever Great seen. Great game.
0: If it had been two schools from a conference that mattered, it would have been considered one of the greatest games ever. I know, <laughs> and,
1: they're, and they're in the same division, so they're not playing for the championship. But that would have been an ideal. Uh, yeah, championship.
0: it really would have. I get a kick though out of the UCF fans who are clamoring for UCF yeah, to yeah. be in the national championship hunt. Well, well, I don't buy that.
1: Weren't you uh, on that bandwagon a few weeks ago, Mike? You, you know, I was. <laughs> I was.
0: I was. Well, I went to USF, so go Bulls. I merely. I wasn't on a bandwagon. I, I, I merely posed the question. <laughs> Um go you know, if USF's undefeated, should they get consideration? And they shouldn't. Now, um interesting, Charlie Strong, by the way, coach at USF, possibility at Florida State. I think they were talking about Willie Taggart too. Mm-hmm. Also a former uh, USF coach. Taggart's at Oregon.
1: Yeah, we're gonna be here in the next couple of weeks if after Jimbo announces this, it's gonna be some interesting strong and that would be an interesting uh, an interesting hire.
0: Done a great um, job at, at USF this year. He certainly has. All right. So we're going to take a short break here, everybody. We're going to come back with a little National Football League and then, um, of course, Ellis Hobbs to give us a little player insight. So sit tight, everybody. We'll be right back. This is Sports Talk with Jeff and Mike. Okay, everybody, we're back. Thank you for hanging in there. We've got um, Ellis Hobbs coming up, and as I said earlier in the show, in case you're sort of skipping to the middle of this podcast, I actually recorded the Ellis segment on Wednesday, the 29th. Jeff was out of town, and he forgot his microphone. Wah, wah. Um, So we'll get to Ellis and do a little – get into sort of the deeper Patriots stuff and Patriots-Dolphins, Patriots-Bills, some Mike Tomlin stuff. But right now we kind of want to talk generally about what's going on in the NFL because it's week 13 – so we are in the home stretch. This is when football really matters, December. Um, oh, yeah. Oh, and and the conferences have taken shape. And I, I think the thing that I've noticed, Jeff, I'm curious what you think. We started the season and we were talking about it's so mediocre. It's so you can't get a clear picture. And I think we have a really good picture now. Um, yeah. and it's not mediocre. There's, I mean, the AFC is maybe only yeah, two teams, it, but the it, NFC is interesting.
1: Yeah, I think you, you hit upon it. The AFC is kind of mediocre outside of New England and Pittsburgh. Um, I don't know. You know, we were excited early about the Bills and the Chiefs. <laughs> now <and, and, and, laughs> well, that's changed, and, and they've kind of leveled off. The Chargers are starting to make a little bit of a move, in Tennessee and Jacksonville is surprised. Well, at least Jacksonville is seven and four, but um, you're right. The nfc has some really really good teams and there's some excellent games this weekend involving those teams but um yeah so it is no longer mediocre i I think there's teams are distancing themselves i mean philadelphia minnesota new orleans and the rams in the nfc and uh those a lot of those teams were not playoff teams last year so uh it's become real interesting and these last few weeks uh there's a lot of jostling in the nfc for those playoff spots but um you got a big Pittsburgh New England game coming up. When is that game? That's in week after this, December seventeenth. Seventeenth. So we have a few weeks, and that is probably the game that's going to decide. I mean, that's going to decide maybe home field advantage and a big, a big chance. Maybe if they do meet in the uh, AFC Championship uh, game, I mean, but, um, maybe
0: Pittsburgh and and New England both would have to keep winning. They got to keep winning. New England's got two games on the road right now. They've got buffalo and buffalo this week then they go to miami for the monday night game and then they go to pittsburgh that's three games in a row and and that's five games on the road in a six-game stretch which started in denver then to mexico city new england for a game so that's really tough that's a really that's the toughest stretch that anyone has in the nfl this year from a travel standpoint
1: look i mean they they're very impressive to me new england and um you know, you and I have spoken about what wins in the NFL. You know, everyone thinks defense. Defense, that's the most important thing. Here's a stat that has really opened my eyes, right? You can think defense. Defense is very important. But for the regular season, here are the top offensive teams in the NFL. And look how many of these teams are headed to the playoffs. And this is starting from number one offensive team. Patriots, Saints, Eagles, Rams, Vikings, all playoff teams, Falcons, Steelers, Seahawks, Chiefs, still in in the hunt. Chargers, and then and then we see Jacksonville at twelve, which is more of a defensive team. But so New England is third from the bottom in defense.
0: Well, so, let's hold on a second. That's sort of fake by, news. In the last, by, in by the, yards, by, by yards, but by, by points, they're okay. twelve. Okay. And that's what matters is points. Right. And by the way, the defense was historically bad the first four games. It's been historically good the last five. It's one of the only defenses in the history of the NFL to start off so bad. And then in the last five, last five games, give up an average of 12 and a half points. And don't knock that. That was against teams like Atlanta. Pretty good, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so no,
1: they're, they're pretty
0: good defense now. right? Pretty no, good.
1: I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. Knocking them, they, they, their defense is definitely getting better. They're giving up a lot of yards in the air. But, no, my point is here is that they uh, offensive teams, these teams are so good on offense that um, that seems to be what's driving it. I mean, all these teams, the top ten or nine out of the top ten uh, offensive teams by yards per game – are uh likely headed to the playoffs and uh so uh there are a few defensive teams but look denver is one of the best defenses in the in the league by by yards per game and they are just a bad football team
0: yeah i don't think yards though is a great measure i I really don't because ultimately the game's about points and new england's a lot of a lot of defenses give up a lot of yards and plus yards get skewed because if you're winning big towards the end of the game as the Patriots have, you're going to give up a lot of yards.
1: It's yeah, just common
0: to not, you know, it's just yeah.
1: the way it is. It's it's about yeah. points.
0: I mean, you don't win a game on yards.
1: True, true. Um, um, so and, I think that's interesting. Yeah, and points probably will have a similar um, aspect in here. I think teams that are scoring quite a bit of points are um, are doing well. Um, I mean, the Eagles uh, at 351 is just uh, they're just taking off. So, so there's some good games this week. And I, speaking of the Eagles, I think the Eagles. There's three games to me that are. Uh, important games this year. Uh, I mean, this weekend and must see games. So the Eagles play the um, Seahawks. That is on um, Sunday night in Seattle. You know, that uh, Seahawks have been playing really good. Uh, Russell Wilson's having a much better year than I thought. I think the Eagles are due for a possible letdown, and uh, that's just my thought. I don't know what you think about that. The Eagles have been playing great. What nine in a row?
0: Yeah, but the um, Seahawks have no. They have nothing besides Russell Wilson, and their defense is decimated. Well, they can't no, run the ball.
1: No one's running against the Eagles. Eagles have the best run defense in the league. Yeah,
0: but the Seahawks aren't running against anyone,
1: no, right? So, but in this game, no one expects them to run. I think the Seahawks. I think their passing game has gotten better. Their defense is decimated because they lost Sherman for the year. They still rush the. Quarterback, I think they lost they
0: Chancellor still... too.
1: Yeah, and they, but but they're forcing turnovers. I think the Eagles are a really good team, but I think they're in for a letdown. That's that, and it's in Seattle, a very tough place to for a visiting team. Interesting. I, it's, so you think the Eagles are going to take another one there? I think
0: they're going to blow them out. I think Seattle's bad currently. I, don't, I think they they are one dimensional. If you really look at Russell Wilson's numbers now, he's doing a lot, but he can't keep doing it. It's a lot of miracles. It's a lot of um, inefficient um, passes that are currently being completed. Low percentage throws. They have zero running game, none whatsoever. And and again, the, the defense is just completely devastated. And I think that, are they on a bit of a losing streak. I think they are.
1: They're seven and four. Um, the games I've been seeing them play, they're playing much better uh, despite not running the ball. I think Russell Wilson's having a he is really great, huge season.
0: year. He is, they, but it's uh, he can't keep yeah, it up.
1: You will see. I, I I expect that game to be close. We'll see what happens. The other game I like is Vikings Falcons, and oh, yeah. I know the Falcons are playing a lot better. I think they're playing a lot better because of their defense. And finally, the emergence of Julio Jones, where he, he should be at. But, look, the Vikings just don't seem to lose with Case Keenum. Um, they run the ball well. They have a really good defense. But what do you think about that game? The line on that is three points, Atlanta favored. But um, Atlanta's playing really, really well.
0: Yeah, I actually, in our picks, we use Odds odd Shark. I'm taking Minnesota plus two and a half, although I'll, I'll gladly take three if you'll give it to me. Um I don't believe in Atlanta. I think we know what Atlanta is. I mean, look, that 7-4 and four record is skewed. They should have lost to the Bears, and they should have lost to the Lions. Uh, that's just the way it is. They should be 5-6. and six. They got very lucky in both those games. Um, they're playing better, for sure, but it's still not great. Uh, they still can't close a game out. And frankly, I think this Minnesota team, from from my perspective, is the best team in the NFC. Uh, currently I currently have the Vikings winning the NFC. If you, if you asked me today, what's going to happen? I think they're going to the playoffs. The only thing with Minnesota is they just need to um, stop with any kind of talk about bringing Teddy Bridgewater back. Keenum right. is the guy like Keenum be the guy. If they don't, now maybe they've done that. I don't follow the Minnesota beat writers, but I don't see any reason why you wouldn't no. keep Keenum going. And, um, you know, he's a, he's a really good quarterback. Again, this is another guy who Jeff Fisher couldn't do anything with, by the way. You know, Keenan was the quarterback for the Rams last year, and he looked terrible. Suddenly he goes somewhere to a good system, and he he's all world. So um, I really like Minnesota. Not high in Atlanta at all. A um, lot of mistakes. I think they really, really miss Kyle Shanahan a lot. Um, and frankly, I don't think Dan Quinn is as great uh, game manager as we saw, um, both in the Super Bowl and consecutive games this season. So I like yeah. Minnesota.
1: Yeah, I'm a little opposite on, on Bob. I, I think they'd be crazy to pull Keenum. Minnesota's a very good team, but I don't think they're as good as their record says. Falcons are a different – I watch them every week. Uh, I like uh, Ryan's my fantasy quarterback. This is a different Atlanta team than we, we saw the first half when we were, you and I were agreeing that the, their, their offense is just dull, it's predictable, nothing's happening. They're different. They're playing better offensively and much better defensively. They lost Devontae Freeman. Tevin Coleman's been – Good. Freeman's
0: back I think though I think, I think, he's, back yeah, I think he's back
1: and that means a lot this is a really big game and this might is the really sh- uh, going to shift who might be the second best team maybe in the NFC but we're forgetting another game so we're looking at those two so there's the uh, the Panther game the Panthers let me see who are the Panthers playing um, Panthers are playing the Saints the Saints so that's a great game battle for the NFC South um, the Panthers have won four in a row. I know you're not a cam guy. Not at all. They, they seem to be doing it more with defense. I saw the Saints game last week against the Rams. Great game, by the way. Saints are really good. They had all those defensive draft choices. That defense is much better. This guy Kamara, this rookie on the Saints, is phenomenal and could be rookie of the year. That is a huge game. It's, uh, who do you like in that game and Why?
0: I like the Saints. It's well-documented on this podcast. I am not a Cam Newton guy. He's got all the physical skills in the world, and I think none of the mental skills. And as these as we get into December, I think this is where we're going to see Cam make a lot of mistakes. Um, I'll take Sean Payton over um, Rivera from a coaching standpoint. I'll take Breeze over Newton. I like the Saints team. They're very balanced. They're second in overall offense, second in passing, third in rushing. And you look at Carolina, they're 24th in passing, 5th in rushing, McCaffrey's great, Um, and they're 2nd in defense. So I think when you you look at this thing, I think Breeze is going to carve them up. I I really believe that. And I don't think Cam Newton is going to perform well as it gets to be the money time here in December. So uh, I'm going to take Breeze over Newton.
1: I agree with you 100% on this one. Saints are a very well-balanced team. Tremendous amount of weapons on offense. And I'd take Breeze over Newton any day, also. By the way, just looking at the Redskin Cowboy game, this is, I mean, what is the Cowboys? Have they, that they, game kicked they, off, they, right? While we're they, it's, it's 0 0 into the first. The Cowboys have, <laughs> been, have had fourth straight three and outs to start the game. This team that was so good last year—is it all Ezekiel Elliott? They lose him. It can't and, be, and they can't. But Prescott's no. not playing. This—they're they're scoring seven points a game. The last few games, they are well, horrible.
0: I mean, that just goes to show you it's a bad roster. We talked about this at the beginning of the season. We thought, I, at least I said, last year was an aberration. Uh, I thought they'd come back to earth this year, and I really, I don't. It can't all be Ezekiel Elliott. And if it is all Ezekiel Elliott, that's still a problem because if one player really is. Is that important to your team? Is the makeup of everything, and you fall this far with the loss of one player, then you've got a roster problem, and that's a Jerry Jones issue, who basically picks the roster, and that's also a a Jason Garrett issue. I mean, Mike Lombardi, who I'm obviously a big fan of, calls Jason Garrett the clapper because all he does on the <laughs> sidelines is clap, isn't coach anything, and I think that that's really true. You know, in order, Garrett is is not really a coach at all; he's a figurehead. Jones is the guy coaching the team. I, I just don't think you know Jason Garrett's ever going to take this team anywhere. And frankly, until they, till Jerry Jones butts out and they get rid of Garrett and they get some real football people in there, um, other than Garrett, who's really good at clapping on the sidelines, um, I don't see the Dallas Cowboys going anywhere, um, anytime this year, next year, or whenever. So yeah, um, yeah.
1: yeah, Prescott is having a not as impressive as last year. He's still a good quarterback, but without that strong running game. Um, no one's fearing Alfred Morris right now. So their kind of defenses are zeroing on down yeah. And, um, you know, Dez is averaging 10, 11 yards a, a reception. It's not an explosive offense. They're in trouble and they're having trouble with the Redskins tonight. So, uh, looks like the Eagles are just running away with that division. And, uh, neither of us, I think call that, uh, preseason. I don't think we did, but the, Eagles, um, I think I had the I Eagles winning,
0: winning the division. I didn't have them running away with it, but I had them and, winning you know, it.
1: If you had it, that's a great pick. Cause I did not, they were not on my radar. Of course, I thought the Giants were going to win that division. So
0: yeah, I think I think I had the Eagles. We'd have to go back and, and check the show, but I was definitely high on Wentz, um, nice and I think point. Wentz is good. Um, by the way, big game, San Francisco, Chicago. Do you know why?
1: Yes, I know why, and and <laughs> I, I know why.
0: Jimmy he, Garoppolo so, makes his debut. So we
1: have so I I'm so um, I I just. I'm picking uh, – I need a defense for this weekend. I don't like Seattle. on my fantasy. I'm picking the Bears. Now oh, that's a I, mistake. No. So you think – That Garoppolo, is a mistake. You think Garoppolo is going to step in, throw four touchdowns. Yeah. And, uh, come on. Did you, did, did you see what he did last week? Did so you
0: see what he did last week? He played for 80, 80 seconds and Big scored deal. a touchdown. And scored a point all game. You know this that, right? the
1: San Francisco 49ers.
0: Jimmy Garoppolo is the real deal. I've actually – in our picks, I'm taking San Francisco plus the four and a half, and I look forward to torturing you – Okay. On Sunday, every time Jimmy, 49ers, okay. every time Jimmy completes, a, you're gonna hear from me. Every time Jimmy completes a pass, oh, I'll probably we'll I'm gonna post on your Facebook wall. Let's
1: see. <laughs> Let's see. He's got to go into Chicago. God knows what the weather's gonna be. Let's see. He's played he in plenty
0: it. of bad weather. He played no in New England for okay. three years.
1: All right. This is not the Patriots. He's with. He's with a team. That's right. He's Got a lot of problems. They have one win the whole year. Okay. Yeah, if if he, if he plays great off the charts, you can you can rag on me next week. I will, um, but I need the Bears to put a spanking on him because <laughs> <laughs> I need this win. I think that's get, a bold move taking the place.
0: the Bears defense against Garoppolo. Like are, you is couldn't find 49ers? another defense. Yeah, but it's uh, Garoppolo.
1: I have Seattle. That's my defense. But I'm worried about them playing the Eagles. So um, I said, let me get Chicago. It'll be a game time decision if I think Garopp- If I wake up Sunday morning, I think Garoppolo is going to be going to be Tom Brady for the for, for the day. Well, let's
0: not go overboard. Speaking of which, by the way, Tom Brady, 40 years old, named the AFC Player of the Month, three AFC Player of the Week awards, and probably the leader in the clubhouse for the MVP. So at 40, kind of interesting. Um, So let's go ahead and we will bring in Ellis Hobbs. Like I told everybody, we recorded this interview last night. So sit back and listen to my conversation with Ellis Hobbs. We're talking Patriots Dolphins, Patriots Bills, the Mike Tomlin comments, and the Eli Manning benching. And we'll come back after that interview, and we're going to get Jeff's thoughts on Eli, which I think everybody's you're going to want to listen to that because Jeff, Lifetime Giants fan. So um, I think he's going to have some insight. Right, Jeff?
1: I certainly will.
0: All right. So sit back, everyone. Listen to Ellis. We'll be right back we reached that part of the show tonight where we're going to bring in our guest from Atlanta, Georgia, former New England Patriot and Philadelphia Eagle, Ellis Hobbs. Ellis, happy belated. How are you? How are you?
2: Doing well. Happy belated Thanksgiving to you. all buddy.
0: No, that's fine. Happy belated Thanksgiving to you. How was your holiday?
2: It was good. It was good. I was actually in the Northeast area uh, for the holidays, uh, visiting family, my in-laws, actually. And uh, we enjoyed ourselves. Um, Man, I just forgot how cold it is up there because when I got back to Atlanta, uh, my cheeks and just around my my facial area, um, skin just started falling off <laughs> and just right. so was so dry, and then the inside of my nose was raw, man just hadn't breathed in I hadn't breathed in just cold cold air in a long time no. and uh just reminded me of why I moved away
0: absolutely <laughs> Now you were in the great state of Rhode Island, right?
2: Correct, correct. I You're- was actually in the southern part of Rhode Island uh situate Hope area.
0: And for all you listeners, Ellis and I sort of have a common connection. I'm from Rhode Island. My my mother and father and family are all there. And I think, Ellis, your wife is from Rhode Island? Is that Correct.
2: right? Uh, my wife and all of her family within a five-mile radius, I believe. And uh, it's just funny how in, in Rhode Island, as small as the state is, um, just the uh, diameter of the family, uh, which means grandma, 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 grandpa, yep. uncle, aunts, whatever. Down the and, street. Yeah, down the street, next door neighbors. Yes, we're starting in the morning at Grandma's house. We're finishing up at Aunt Lucy's house in the evening time. You know,
0: it's so funny you say that. That's my mother's. That's my experience when I go home at 42 years old. My mother is, um, you know, okay. We have to go visit this house and then this house and then this house, which is um, unique for me since I don't do that in my day to day life.
2: Yeah, exactly. Then everybody wakes up in the morning and acts as if it didn't happen
0: right it's crazy yeah. it's a very different world there but uh maybe we'll name i think we'll name this episode um shout out to rhode island yes yeah, sure word- <laughs> that's right and uh, for all your listeners obviously ellis and i are recording this um on wednesday night the 29th but this will be part of our, our episode that's actually going to be recorded with jeff and i on thursday uh jeff is absent from this interview because he is traveling and didn't bring his microphone so um it's just See, you and I tonight.
2: And that's where we need to have the, the sound bites, where the Homer Simpson dope comes in or something like that. <laughs> that... Well, I'm going to add
0: that in, actually. <laughs> the sound bites definitely they come in the editing process, and believe me, they'll be in this one for sure. Yes, There'll nice. be some surprises for Jeff. Nice. Um, so let's get into it. We've got four great topics here. First thing we're going to talk about is that Patriots Dolphins game. Um, look, the scoreboard seemed to indicate that the Patriots dominated the game, but I had a little bit different take on this, and I was curious. Um, what your thoughts were? Uh, I thought the Pats actually played sort of sloppy. Although Brady threw for four touchdowns, he got hit a lot, took a, mm-hmm. took a big punishment, looked mm-hmm. uncomfortable, looked like he he missed some open receivers. Which uh, certainly I understand he's not going to be perfect every time, but that's really unusual for him. You had the two um, fumbles off the snap. One I think was the center's fault, and Andrews is out obviously. One I think was Tom's fault. Um, my que- and and Belichick by the way did not seem happy. With the, with the performance in the post-game press conference. Some people will say he's never happy, but I watch all his post-game press conferences, and sometimes he will provide a lot more um, positive feedback than he did this week, so it seems like he was unhappy. My question is this. What was it like for you when you'd win a game, but it, you know it wasn't a great performance? Or, or say it another way, You know, do the players say to each other, like, yeah, we won, but if we were playing you know, insert whatever better team. We might've, we might've gotten our asses kicked. What's that like? And how do you think Bill is going to handle that this week?
2: Yeah. I mean, um, that interview I did see and, and to say the least, he was definitely disturbed, um, about the that's
0: a good word. Be-
2: um, uh, around this time of the year, you know, going into, um, you know, December is, is really when you want to be, you know, going climbing that hill and, and really making your mark, not necessarily from a points standpoint, but just hitting on all cylinders, just crisp. Because if you really think about it going into the playoffs, you know, the games are very tight anyways. Um, there may be scoring, but it's it's going to be back and forth. It's going to be a chess match. And so the mistakes that you're seeing against, uh, you know, and I'm not afraid to say it, subpar teams are definitely not going to sure. um, be um, to your advantage. Going into the playoffs because those those playoff teams, you know, whoever they are at that given time, they're just not going to forgive, you know, and allow those types of things to happen. When I was playing, it wasn't really a thing that you had to discuss. It was the feeling already. You just knew, you know, you weren't at your best. It's like, you know, going into the classroom. And, and you take a test and you know that you didn't study. <laughs> you know that you didn't prepare the right way. Yeah. And so why would you expect, you know, uh, great results? I'm not saying that those guys aren't, um, you know, working their butts off in practice or whatever, but something's not clicking, obviously. And so when when those types of things are happening um, during this time of the year, you definitely start to do some some individual soul searching and trying to figure out, you know, what, what pieces of this puzzle are missing. Because if we don't get this corrected, you know insert team um is going to hand it to us you know because they're just not going to allow for those things to happen and really just the nature of the game itself is not going to allow that to happen because every moment every down is so crucial you know going into the the latter part of the season and then the playoffs.
0: so how do you think bill handles that you know the team got a w but you know he goes in front of the team whether it's um uh tuesday or wednesday morning what what's that dynamic going to be like how does he motivate them
2: um, a sense of urgency. I don't. I don't think that, from my experience, the conversation never really changed. It was just always reiterated, and that much more. It was emphasized that much more. And so there was nothing uh, new implemented uh, with Bill because his strategy it is what it is. But um, you're just consistently seeing the same mistakes over and over again within the film room. You're seeing the same plays that we're getting beat on over and over again within the film room. You're, you're training and coaching and performing those on the practice field over and over again because those are the weaknesses. Obviously, you don't want to not publicize or not emphasize your strengths and continually hone in on those and make those better, but uh, with Bill, he really wants to focus in on what are those weak spots because, you know, what they're seeing is obviously what the other team is seeing. And I don't know if you've ever heard this phrase, but it's a copycat league. And sure. if you remember, Back in 07, uh, 08, when the Dolphins first introduced the Wildcat to us, well, right after that game, you know, everybody started everybody to to the Wildcat. And so that, that actually still exists to this very day. Now on the collegiate high school, I would even say pop Warner level. And so when something starts to work against a certain opponent, especially like the Patriots, where you feel like they're impenetrable, you know, Bill has a a great awareness and understanding that, you know, we have to lock this in. And and if not correct it, definitely get better from it so that we learn how to defend ourselves uh, that much better uh, within that weakness.
0: Interesting stuff. We're going to come back and preview Patriots bills at the end of this interview. But I want to get to two. current news stories that are sort of been swirling around the NFL world. The first is um, the comments from Mike Tomlin from Sunday night football. Mm. Uh, I I don't know if you had a chance to see the actual interview, but I I know you've heard. I did. I did. did. And so for those of you listening, if you didn't hear Tomlin, he was being interviewed by uh, Tony Dungy and Dungy asked him um, about the Patriots. And Tomlin was, was pretty clear that they were looking towards that game. Mind you, it's three weeks away or at that time was three weeks away. And Tomlin said that he predicted that would be the first of two, um, which would mean that he's saying the Steelers and the Patriots will be in the AFC Championship. And the reaction from myself, a lot of people in the media, and a lot of people on social media was, how can you possibly be looking that far ahead? That's very, and from a Patriots fan perspective, that's the antithesis of everything we hear from Bill Belichick, which is, I mean, he's so he's focused on the current minute, let alone what's going to be happening in the next week, three weeks, eight weeks. Um, your thoughts on what Tomlin said, and how do you think Bill may use that um, with the team,
2: um, if at all? I don't, I don't yeah, I don't, I don't think Bill is going to use it. Bill obviously is, is a general, you know, when it, when it comes to the game of football and just really, you know, the organization itself and just the team. What right. Tomlin did is is not necessarily something that every coach doesn't do. It's just not publicized. And so to, to give you an explanation of it to where there's no way in the world that Bill Belichick is not preparing for the week after yeah, the Bills and Patriots or right. going into the playoffs knowing that, you know, here's here's our potential rankings, here's the potential opportunities, here's the potential teams we're going to play. Because he's a general, he doesn't have time to sit there and figure those things out. And so he's delegating. And so what you what you see on the inside which that you wouldn't normally see from a fan perspective or the outside, is those scout those scouts, those graduate assistants, whomever there is on the lower tier pulling all the film from 06, 07, 08 or 2017, right. whatever it is that that, that will be influential, Against those teams, and they're trying to put together some sort of reel of of footage so that when this happens, we will be that much more prepared and that much more uh, time saved to move forward. But no way in the world would Bill ever come out and make those types of statements because, as you said, he is trying to keep a tone of one day at a time one step at a time there's no way, way we can look towards the afc championship if we can't even get to the uh the divisional round if we can't even get i'm sorry go ahead
1: and, and
0: i'm guessing that while bill has staff and bill's talked about this that there are people preparing for the weeks ahead that's not with the players am i right like you're Absolutely he f- you he, he no focuses clue. you right yeah, you was, you're no, not seeing as, that
2: as a player you don't even know that's going on unless okay. you're talking to one of those graduate assistants or you pass by them uh, when they're trying to get coffee because they've been up you know, four hours straight um, <laughs> right you, you, you just don't see those guys more 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 so they actually put those guys off in the lock rooms uh, behind closed doors in the corner of the uh, in the corner of the building to, to, to prove that much more because they're literally out of sight out of mind. And so as a player and I, and I personally speak on this, we never we never looked ahead uh, to another game beyond the one that we were about to play, because it just doesn't work like that. You can't go in. There's already so much that goes into um, the preparation for that week. And so to, to date your mind with even more other than what's in front of you at the moment, I mean, that's absolutely ridiculous. So um, once again, Tomlin is, is very right in his approach, but to publicize that, is a different thing because it's going to be taken out of context. And and like I said, anybody that's worth worth their worth within the NFL knows how it operates, but it, it looks very sketchy when you publicize it that way.
0: Speaking of um, things that look very sketchy, that's actually a great segue. I don't know if you did that on purpose, but well no, done. I didn't. I didn't. I like that. Stuff. I like. like well, how you give me compliments? On there that, you go. Man. Well done. Um, we have the benching of Eli Manning this week, Rough. making, make, yeah, making major news. You played against Eli, obviously, in two very um, historical games. One, one to get to sixteen and zero, and then of course one uh, Super Bowl forty-two. Um, you know i can just tell you from the fan perspective look at this and i say and i think a lot of people have said really what's the point here there isn't some young quarterback coming in it's he's been benched for geno smith it seems kind of pointless their season's over you know eli's done a lot for that franchise um and he's been nothing short of a class act he's not a problem child a team seems to have much bigger problems. I am dumbfounded as to not only why this happened, but the way that it happened. And I'd like to get your thoughts.
2: Listen, there's not one guy, I believe, that would have enjoyed him being benched in Super Bowl 42 other than me. The fact that uh, that pass that he threw at the very end of the game uh, to uh, David Tyree and then the pass that he threw yeah. to Plexiglas. So I would have enjoyed him being benched at that moment. Exactly.
0: I would have two, by the way. (laughs) Yeah, exactly.
2: And so, but to to have that go on right now, I don't even think it's a "what's the point?" moment. Whether you love or hate Eli Manning, I think it's more of a "come on, man!" Like, what are we talking about here? Right. You know, for for the for the Giants, especially. What was that? You know, two episodes ago, you you myself and uh, Jeff were talking about the Giants and everything that they had going on. You telling me Eli Manning is going to all of a sudden. Uh, the Eli Manning bitches are going to all of a sudden set you up for the next season or just turn right. this season around. And yeah. you hit it right on the head. When you have guys of that upper echelon that have given their blood, sweat, and tears, sacrificed their family time, uh, sacrificed themselves, uh, made your pockets rich, I mean, let's just be honest here, um, made that franchise flourish, flourish, brought them, brought them back for yeah, sure, brought them back on the ledgers, on the books, you know, from a financial perspective yeah. um, with, you know, new facilities and all these things like there, there's a level of respect. And, and I get it. You know, when, when, you, when you're talking to young athletes, you know, the best players are going to play. If you're not the best player, your coach doesn't feel this and that. Yeah, I get that. But this is business. This is professionalism. And so when you're talking about a guy of that caliber you know, I I would have loved to hear what that discussion was. You know, yeah. And did 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 Eli really submit? You know, because I don't believe so. I, I just don't see someone of his competitive nature with his lineage. You know, of of, of his uh, of his brother of his father. Not to say that they came to his defense, but I would have loved to to hear his rebuttal to that because it just doesn't seem like he had an opportunity to do so. You know, and then. You have what a, a guy, a coach has been in. Is this his McAdoo's second third year, year or second, second year? year? Yeah, and second I, year. I actually expect that more. I expect that to come from a Coughlin, to where they have that type of relationship, right. and you can you can talk through that. But to to have McAdoo already go through all of you know, the turmoil that he's been through already, you know, with each players uh, internally, all these types of things, it just, it just defines, you know, what this season has been about, you know, which is, you know, an uh, SHIT show. And it doesn't really make
0: sense. You you can swear. It's okay. It's a podcast. Oh yeah. My mom's (laughs) listening. My mom. Okay. Okay. I like that. (laughs) And, and I think the other head scratcher here, and and it's not, and I certainly don't mean this disrespectfully, but at the end of the day, nobody's going to say that Geno Smith is the better option. I mean, yeah, to I mean, me, that may I don't understand that.
2: Yeah, when I well, I didn't even know at first that he was the backup. <laughs> yeah, I didn't either. <laughs> so the, the, okay, I, I get it. If you if you're telling me Eli Manning's getting benched, and you know, I don't want to get too too deep into this because it's not that type of podcast. But yeah. Kaepernick's up. It's like okay, cool, man. This guy's been, you know, he's finally getting his just due, whatever. But sure. you know, Geno Smith getting knocked out in the locker room. Uh, yeah. I don't even. I don't think he's yeah. had a successful winning uh, season yet. Never um, with any team. No, you know, or just a just a run. Forget a forget a successful season. Just a a streak put together here. Yeah. And so you know, I don't believe that the Giants are looking at this as an audition for Geno Smith to take over for next year. By no means. But so my point is, to your point, is like, what is the point of of doing this? And, you know, you got three, four games left. You know, it just doesn't make any sense, man. It's an unfortunate situation. But once again, it defines everything that the New York Giants have been about this year. A joke.
0: Do you? Yeah, absolutely. Do you think that this is the end for Eli or the beginning of something new somewhere else? And I. I can tell you, I'm thinking maybe, maybe being reunited with Coughlin in Jacksonville. Maybe not this season, but next.
2: Yeah, it's it's tough because a, a guy of his nature, and I, and I speak more in a humble uh, a humble approach to it, to where when you are picked up out of somewhere and put into a new environment, it's a it's a refresher, but at the same time, it's very very scary because it, you you literally feel like you're starting all over, and so regardless if you're at the helm of that team. Um, if you're the 53rd man on that roster, you have to start anew. And for someone of Eli's uh, pedigree to have to start anew somewhere else, he's going to really have to humble himself and, and and be accepting of how he's received. Because when you come into that new environment, people are going to cheer you, but it's, their boos are right behind the corner. And so – For him to lock in and focus, are you going to be willing to start from the bottom again, learning a new system, doing this and that? Now, I believe if he does go somewhere to a new team, the the staff is going to do their best or upper management is going to do their best to put the right staff around him to to be more comfortable. But there's always a, a, a square one. And so someone that has been playing that long, are you willing to start over again? with someone else. Now, if you hit that thing on the head and it takes off, oh yeah, that's the greatest feeling in the world. But when it goes South, it doesn't take long to really start to second guess yourself and really start to yearn for what you can't have back, which is the New York Giants. So sure. My thing would be, and and I'm sure Eli would say like, is it going to be worth it? And then, you know, to, to have all of the accolades and the success that you've already had, you know, and he's a married man like now you and as i got older i thought about these things too. you start to think about family more time is it really worth it and i just want to see i like to see how that plays out and then the other thing would be is how do the new york giants send him off you know is it something to where he goes and plays you know two three years four years maybe with another team do they bring him back and, and pay homage to him for the Super Bowl that he's won? Did they pay homage to him for the career that he's had? If they did, it would be a very awkward dance at the, yeah. junior, high, at the junior high. But uh, <laughs> I don't know. That's, just, that's it, it would be weird to me. It would be I mean, very I, weird.
0: I feel like they've already sent him off, and it was quite an, an unceremonious um, send-off. And, and I understand that it's sports and there's a business side to it. But this really is is a head-scratcher. It would have made a lot more sense, I think, if they let him play the season out. And then it kind of did what the Colts did, which was, look, we're going to release you and you can go on because we've got to, we're have got we going to tear this thing down and build, build again and, and draft a new quarterback.
2: But, yeah, it's very safe to say. I don't think anybody would disagree with this, but the, the Giants handled this poorly. Yeah, they, they did. Handled it, they handled it very poorly uh, with that individual for, for as much as he did. I'm not saying that you do this with everybody. Sure. Because you can't. No, you but can't. for someone to give that much to the organization and to do – that much for the organization and has been a staple within that organization. And I would say the community and, and at one point, you know, was challenging to be the face of the NFL. I, yes. I think if it wasn't for Eli's personality of being more quiet and behind the scenes, he could have definitely been the face of the, uh, of the organ uh, of the NFL and everything, but to, to send him off like this or to put him down, let's say that they're not even sending him off yet. Just to put him down, you know, to the, to the second man on the depth chart, you know that that doesn't make any sense, and it's unfortunate. Yeah.
0: C- certainly going to be very strange on Sunday to watch Geno Smith starting and Eli on the bench, knowing that Eli is healthy. Uh, let's transition to a little bit of preview of next week. Uh, we've got Patriots Bills, uh, which yes, yes which Holy um, a goody. <laughs> yeah for sure, and it starts an interesting. It's interesting. Excuse me, an interesting stretch for the New England Patriots. Three games in the on the road. Um, they got the Bills. They go to Miami, Pittsburgh. Um, And then I think they close with Bills and Jets. So um, I think five of those games, five of the remaining six are division opponents. So um, the question here is they're traveling to Buffalo. First of the three road games. What do you see from this Bills team on, you know, what do you think new England's going to have to do um, to beat the Bills team? And and I can tell you from, from my perspective, looking at it, they're going to have to play a lot cleaner. I think than they did against Miami, the bills are six and five, but I think that, that that chargers loss you have to throw out the window because peterman started that and that was Mm. obviously a disaster um you know tyrod taylor for uh say what you want about him but he doesn't turn the ball over um belichick was pretty clear about how mobile he can be very difficult to tackle you gotta deal with mccoy and then i think he got a very solid defense but i'm curious what your take is on this bills team and this first matchup between these two division rivals
2: yeah um when you when you talk about division rivals or just division opponents, you have to play a cleaner game because the opponent knows you that much better than say you know the uh, the AFC West, um, you know versus the AFC East or, or the NFC South, which you don't play you know for a few years or whatever it is, and so you just have to go out under and understand that you know you're seeing this team twice a year, uh, every year, and so when you're when you're talking about that type of game to where it has to be crisp has to be clean. Now, going up into the opponent's arena, you have to be that much more on point because when you get to when you get behind on the scoreboard, when you get behind on first down, second down, third down, it just creates that much more momentum against you and energy against you for bad things to happen. Just the laws of football, laws of sports, I believe. The the bills been, I've been looking at them watching them over the season um, Sean McDermott um, it was actually my defensive coordinator defensive backs coach in uh with the Philadelphia Eagles okay um, tremendous 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 young talent he is uh, with his mindset his belief in the game um, was, was uh, under the tutelage of some great great uh guys in front of him uh, a defensive coordinator uh his name um, I uh, forget it right now, but it was uh, he was a great, great coach for the Philadelphia Eagles. Unfortunately, he died to cancer right when I got there. That's why I don't uh, I'm not familiar sure. with him. But um, just a great guy in general, and, and his tenacity to study the game and just go out there and really lock in on the game of football. And, he, and what I believe he's done, and I, you can see it starting to turn over with the Bills is that he's really brought. That, uh, that culture and that mindset up to the Bills. Um, they had a great defense for the last couple of years, uh, but he's really starting to turn that thing over. The, the weird part about it, like you mentioned, the, the quarterback change was funny, you know, because quarterbacks have a very hard um, job, anyways. And so when, when you have an up and down with a quarterback, you have to ride that out until it just gets absolutely ridiculous, and then you have to yank a guy. But Tyrod Taylor definitely is the quarterback for the Bills, for, for, for the culture that they have right now. Um, with, with LaShawn McCoy coming out of the backfield, um, with uh, those guys being so mobile, the Patriots are definitely going to have to be on their P's and Q's and lock in. Um, if you had to ask me from a defensive perspective, yeah. I would definitely uh, uh, think that they're going to have some sort of robber or some sort of middleman within the field, and uh, when I say robber, meaning a guy that's specifically honed in on Tyrod Taylor to make sure that he stays at home within that pocket and keeping that guy in that pocket and closing that pocket down. And what I would think Bill would say is force him to be a traditional quarterback. Force him to be a Tom Brady. Make him go through his checks. Make him go through his reads. Make him uh, switch in and out of plays. Make him think because anytime you got those mobile quarterbacks, those guys are very – very spontaneous they want to improvise they want to use their athletic skill and they really want to freestyle everything they do but when you put them in a situation of forcing them to think through certain offense uh offensive schemes that they have checking the audibles or switching plays of the defense from the mike linebacker which, which we discussed on our the, right. the two previous episodes things of sure. that nature within a 40 second time span it becomes very difficult and so if the if the bill if the bills, can uh, have to play that type of game, it's going to be a very hard game. Have you... I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Yeah, if the Patriots force that type of game, then it's going to be a great day for the Patriots on defense.
0: Have you experienced situations where you played against mobile quarterbacks when you were with New England and Bill did that? He put the the robber, the spy on the quarterback?
2: Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. When we played Michael Vick, um, we would... Now, did it work? (laughs) (laughs) No, but I mean, the, the theory was right. And so when you have that... And, and you can consistently do that throughout the game. Now, you can't show it or you can't do it throughout the game because it eventually um, it, it all catches up with you. So you have to kind of come in and come out of it. But i played in many games with mobile quarterbacks. Uh, Tony Romo for Dallas. Like I said, Michael Vick. Um, uh, who's the guy at, uh, at um, Kansas City? Alex Smith. Uh, Alex Smith guys like him when yeah. he was with the 49ers yep. um just just guys in general man who are Aaron Rodgers who yeah. who you're trying to to keep those guys locked in the difference between a uh, a mobile quarterback and a mobile quarterback like Aaron Rodgers is he can actually he's a hybrid he can actually be both and so it makes it even that much worse when you you got a guy that can actually stay in the pocket and then he creates even worse uh even worse uh, situations for you outside the pocket. But um, the main goal and the theory of, of what you're trying to do is force these types of guys, which is Tyrod Taylor, to, to be a traditional quarterback and force him to make those tight throws, which um, I'm assuming they believe he can't do.
0: Right. And it's interesting that you mentioned – you put the the robber, or the spy on him, but you can't stay in that the whole game. You have to kind of go in and out of it. In Bill's press conference today, he was discussing how to deal with Tyrod, and he he got a little chippy, and and without being asked, he said, "Look, I'm just going to talk about this before you people even ask me. You're going to say we'll put a spy on him," and Bill just, Bill, you know, sort of snarkily said. Well, that that's good, and that might work sometimes, but you you can't do that all the time. That's not the solution. Do you think that that's some media gamesmanship with Bill, um, at least trying to convey to Buffalo that hey, maybe we're not going to do this all the time, and then he turns around and does it a little more? Or do you no, think that's no, I think Bill? it's
2: the obvious. I think it's the obvious. You can't do yeah. that because it's the NFL. Um, right. Once again, breaking news. They are NFL players yeah. as well. Um they have great talent on the, on the on the player side as well as in the uh, press box with the coaches. and so if they're continually seeing that and and, and and don't fool yourself, they know what type of quarterback they have. so obviously they want to put game plans around uh defenses because they know those defenses are going to come in with spies and robbers. And so if you have that sort that certain situation, if you have a spy or robber in the middle of the field, that means there's holes elsewhere. And so you're right. looking at, you know, you're looking at the out, you're looking at the outer sides of the field, you know, pr- perhaps the deep skinny post, the middle. What, what, what are they guarding? What are they guarding for? And what can they not guard against? That and that's the, that's the theme and the model of it. So when you hear Bill jokingly say that, it, it, it is what it is. To where he's trying to let guys know, like, listen, we can do this, and we most certainly are going to do it. Because once again, this is a divisional opponent, so there's not a lot of secrets that can be, you know, passed through without the obvious being seen but at the same time you can't go into a game thinking that you're going to be able to do one thing the entire game and get away with it because they're going to have some sort of game plan uh masked around that that can defeat that and so if you can get into to the to these types of games on the defensive line with the backers moving around safeties moving back and forth hey one maybe one time chung drops down maybe another time a cordy drops down so it disguise
0: uh, it you yeah,
2: you got You just got to continually move around, and, and, and sometimes you fake it to where that's a disguise in itself, to where if they believe there is going to be a spire robber, they're not going to do certain things. Oh, he's not there. Too late. It's a sack or it's an interception or some sort of turnover. Whatever it is, you have to continually play the game, but you cannot just sit there and show your hand for for what it is every single time and expect um you know great results you know that's yeah. insanity
0: and i think i think for all of tyrod's physical skills i think one of the knocks on him is and you mentioned it earlier is if you force him to be a a pocket passer traditional like a tom brady he's not known for being a guy who can adjust the offense, adjust the play and read the defense really well. So hopefully the disguises will work. Um, you played at Buffalo, um, a number of times. I'm not sure how many times with Philadelphia, but certainly with new England, at least, uh, five, six, seven, four times for sure. Um, what's the environment like we hear so much about bills mafia i have a i have a f- few friends down here that are bills fans who insist it's the h- most hostile environment in the nfl i'm curious what your thoughts are on that
2: i don't i don't know about the most hostile i mean i, I think those boys in oakland got something to say about that but, uh, <laughs> that's, uh, that black that's a good point <laughs> yeah that good black holes pretty rough but uh and they haven't they haven't won anything in god knows when um jack tatum right. days but um you know when you talk about the bills you have a very, very, very solid fan base, and, and loyalty with those guys up there. And um, you know, I, I would I would put them equivalent to the the previous Falcons, uh, Falcons when I was playing. You know, o five o six against those guys, where Bill actually showed us a uh, um, the the champ. I don't know if it was a championship bout or just a fight with uh, Hagler and Hearns. And, and how those guys came out swinging against each other. Where the problem was, was Hagler was that type of guy. He could fight a very brutal fight, where he could swing with you in the in the, in the ring for 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 round on round. Where Hearns was more of a uh, of a lankier guy, smaller guy, and he tried to come out swinging against Hagler like that. Well, after round three, he ex- he literally exhausted himself, and he had to be carried out of the ring like a baby. I put that in the realm of of, of the Falcons, which uh, Bill has showed us at that time. But I also look at the Bills like that uh, previously. Okay. Where those guys are going to come out fighting against you very very hard. That that crowd's going to be into it. You know, if you, if you allow them to stay in it, the momentum, like I said, is going to continually build and build. But then it doesn't take much to snap their back to where one player after another, and you just start to see that thing roll off the uh, slide off the wheels. With the new Bills, I, I personally feel that that momentum or energy is still there, but they actually have the talent, skill set, and the players and the coaching to turn that around and continually make it a game. Sure. And so it, it's very interesting to see this new Bills with McDermott because I, I know the guy personally, and one, one of his mantras is, keep fighting. He, and he, he literally says it all the time: keep fighting, keep fighting, keep fighting, keep fighting. I don't personally think that that was ever said with Rex Ryan or anybody previously to him. Likely not um, with with the Bills because the culture and the, the the losing was just so bad. But with McDermott, I, I personally think that that's that's a there's the difference. But. Don't fool yourself. The the fan base is is very, very hardcore. And if they allow those guys to stay in the game for too long, it's like anything else, man. When you start to believe that you can win, things just start to go your way. And it it becomes very, very difficult, especially in home games.
0: Yeah, I I actually think this is a very dangerous game for the Patriots. Very dangerous game. Very dangerous game. Having come in, you know, they had Mexico, then they played in Denver. They had a, a sloppy home game against the Dolphins. I think, you know, this is one of those games that you look at and you think this this might be the one that snaps and this yeah, small in the Bills,
2: and, and, and the Bills definitely think that this is, this is a playoff game for them. Sure. This is a test to see who we are. You know, where you, you talk about that red-letter game and the cliche of that to where, you know, this is a great test for the Bills. And McDermott is going to play off of that as well as the rest of the coaching staff of you guys, you know, because you you had an amazing start to the season, right? And then all of a sudden you kind of backslide through the middle, and now you're starting you you, you roped off or you won uh, a few games. Who are you against the best? Because this is defined as the best, the New England Patriots. Look what they do week in week out. You go out here and you put the you put them to the test and you defeat them, or you hang in it with them. Not only will this game be difficult for the Patriots, but the one at home, uh, coming back home at the end of the season, be yeah. difficult as well, especially Christian if the Steve. Bills win
0: absolutely and it changes the makeup of the division a little bit too so absolutely um, all right ellis as always thank you so much for the great insight Uh, have a great evening and we will talk to you next week yes sir all right take care all right everybody thanks for listening i hope you enjoyed ellis's comments you know we really appreciate um ellis coming and doing this with us every week um tremendously insightful for us to have uh, not only a former NFL player, but a former player who played a pivotal role in some really historical teams and some historical games. And he's, um, Ellis is very valuable with his time. Um, he prepares, by the way, he doesn't just dial in and wing it. You know, he and I and Jeff kind of go through some of the topics beforehand, so I know it takes up a time outside of the show from his day. So um, just want to say to Ellis, thank you very much for your time. We really we really do appreciate it, and I think our listeners appreciate it, too. Um, if you have any questions for Ellis or any topics you want him to address, go ahead and email us, jmsportspodcast at gmail.com, or leave a comment on Instagram on one of our posts, at Melkins1, or follow me on Twitter and leave a Twitter comment, at melkins three one one seven five. Or um also you can go to our show's Facebook page at JM Sports Podcast and I also want to get Ellis' Twitter account out there because you can leave a you can tweet Ellis directly. Um, it's at Ellis E L L I S Hobbs H O B B S. So All right. Let's talk about Eli.
1: Eli. What do you um, think, Jeff? <laughs> well, you know what? I had two two states of mind when I first heard the news you know if you've heard me the last few weeks i've been i love eli as as, as a player and longtime giant uh standout quarterback two super bowl victories but i've been talking about his diminishing skills and i thought um he's not having a good year um and i thought it was time perhaps to think about a change so i wake up and i hear this news that he's going to be benched and i'm going. i'm thinking okay Uh, We'll get Davis Webb in there to uh, let's see what he can do. Let's see if he's going to be a possible quarterback of the future or the Giants got to go and draft a quarterback uh, in the first round this year. So I hear the news that Geno Smith's going to start. And uh, then I I further I hear that I I watched the Eli um, interview where he basically said he was asked to start, but he didn't want to be a quarterback to start the game and then come out. So at first, while well, I heard I thought it was a pretty good thing that that we're going to get to see Davis Webb. But then, as I'm, I think about it more, I'm like, well, I don't think the Giants did it the proper way. I mean, like, <laughs> yeah, they I mean, did not. the season is lost okay. completely. He, he, it, Eli Manning has got you to two Super Bowls uh, in his career. He's had a, he's had a really good career. He's done the downside of it. But what is the point of this? Why not let Eli? You know, now. I think this is what they wanted. They wanted Eli to start some games and then bring in Webb. I want to see what Webb can do. But the way that they just did this at this point in the season, um, it was more Eli's reaction. He's a humble guy, and he was – you could tell. The guy was embarrassed. He was hurt. Um, I do want to see Webb. I want to see what he could do. But the way they brought this around to just shove him to the bench. um, For
0: Geno Smith.
1: That's what really got me. (laughs) the what? first news I heard, I go, "Good, they're going to give Davis Webb a chance." But now, Gene, now I know why they're doing it. They don't want to put Webb in and start him in his very first game. They want to bring him off the bench. But they're doing, <laughs> but they're, but they're benching, they're benching Eli for Geno Smith. And look, how would you feel like if you, were Eli, you, you were going to be, doubly embarrassed? So uh, I don't like the way the Giants did it. Um, I want to see what Webb can do, but you can't treat Eli in such a fashion. And it just kind of pissed me off. Yeah,
0: and I don't want to repeat what I already said in the Ellis interview. I'll just add um, they could have let Eli start, sat down with Eli, and then had Webb come in in the second half of a game or in the fourth quarter. You, Your opinion is the same as mine and Ellis's, which is, yeah, it's probably time for Eli to go, but the way they did it was awful just terrible and he's such a class act i, he's I mean i'm no he, he torched he really the patriots twice and, and as ellis pointed out there's nobody on this earth that would prefer to see eli benched at certain at two certain points in time than ellis hobbs um, particularly <laughs> super bowl 42 but come on i mean it's eli manning nobody dislikes eli manning i thought it was terrible by the giants uh, i hope i actually hope eli makes them pay as i said with ellis um I'd like to see a re- him reunited with Coughlin in Jacksonville. I think that would be super interesting. interesting. I wish they had done that this year because Blake Bortles is terrible, but with what Jacksonville has, if they had a real quarterback, they'd be a very dangerous team, and that would be a cool reunion. Yeah,
1: um, I don't think his career is done. I, I think he's no. skills are, d- are diminished, and look, he's also playing for a really crappy team this year. His numbers are not there, 14 touchdowns, 7 picks, 2,400 yards. He's throwing 62%. I mean, the problem is he, he's getting sacked a lot. He's fumbling a lot. He's, he's missing receivers. Um, but the whole, I mean, he doesn't have many good receivers right now to throw to. I'm not putting all the blame on him. So I'd miss him if he goes. But if he goes, I mean, right now, who do we have? I, I don't know who the Giants have. I want to see what Webb can do. And maybe they, they get the third pick in the draft and they go for one of the top quarterbacks. But it'll be very hard for me to see Eli Manning in another NFL uniform.
0: It's going to be very hard to see Eli Manning on the bench while Geno Smith starts. Let's leave it at that. Uh, um, yeah, let's get to he, our – go he is a
1: class. He is a class act. You said it. Every, I mean, everyone agrees he is, and he's doing this humbly. He's not happy about it, but if you saw his interview, it's class all over this guy. He's going to do what, what they've asked him to do, and uh, he's. I, I look at him in very, very high esteem, not only for his play – but for the way he carries himself, and
0: uh, yeah, absolutely. All right, let's do our picks. Um, Jeff, you want to go first?
1: Yeah. So let's see who I got here. Um, who, do I, who do I have? I picked. Um, I have Oakland. So Oakland's going to the. Uh, Oakland's playing the Giants. Um, Oakland's given eight and a half.
0: It's a big line.
1: Uh, it's a big line. I don't think. I think the Giants are just in turmoil. <laughs> you and you don't and believe? Don't,
0: you don't believe don't in Geno Smith? Gino <laughs> Come Gino, on. What's they, wrong they, with, with you?
1: I would probably take Oakland even if Eli was Yeah. I I got the Packers – sorry, the uh, Raiders give it eight and a half. I got the Packers even against Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay's awful defense. Yeah, they're bad. Hunley's coming around too. He's coming around. They look pretty good against the Steelers. I like the Packers. That's that's an even game. And like I said earlier, I think Seattle's going to put up a fight against the Eagles. They're getting five and a half at home. So I'd like the Seahawks.
0: Yeah, you're going to be sorely disappointed on that one. We'll see. So I'm taking the Bills plus the 8.5. I think New England wins the game, but I think it's close. Um, Buffalo can be a tough place to play. Patriots look really sloppy against Miami. So, um, And Sean McDermott, despite the Nathan Peterman disaster, uh, I think I'll have the Bills ready to play, although I think New England will win, just not by 8.5. i taking the Vikings plus the 2.5. I think this is the easiest game to pick of the week. If I ran a gambling sports line and I was charging, I would be telling everybody, call my 1-800 number and let me give you Michael's fast pick for the week. Um, I think is really audience, good.
1: Audience, before you, you you make that call, Mike picked the Cleveland Browns again last week. He lost that one. And, Mike, we're still waiting for the 8-8 eight and eight Cleveland Browns <laughs>
0: to show. up. Yeah, but, hey, listen, audience, <laughs> what matters is our record – in these games and so far yeah we both are actually jeff is 17 and 10 against the spread and i'm 17 nine and one against the spread and for all you gamblers out there that's basically about as good as you can do so i maybe we've got a business here and then um my last pick is i am betting the house i'm betting the dog even on the debut of your new Franchise NFL star quarterback Jimmy Garoppolo, oh, and I'm taking the San Francisco 49ers plus the four and a half. And I look forward to torturing you next week when Jimmy throws four touchdowns and lights up the Bears and says, right. "Dear world, nice. here I am."
1: <laughs> well, you have to remember that this is not the New England Patriots he plays for anymore. He plays for the one-win San Francisco 49ers. Going into I understand Chicago. that. Chicago, okay. He's a he's a nice quarterback. But he's look at the team he's playing with. Now, if he lights it up, you're entitled he's going to, to to mention it next week to me. But I'm picking I think up it will
0: be the lead, uh, the lead story.
1: <laughs> Maybe in your mind. <laughs> <it's the lead laughs> story,
0: no, I'm we'll obviously see. kidding, but um, yes, I think it'll we'll be interesting. See. We'll see. All right, everybody. Um, thank you very much, everyone, for listening. I had a great uh, weekend of sports. Saturday is going to be amazing. And there's actually some great NFL games on Sunday, too. So um sit back everybody thank you again remember um you can find us on all the social media accounts if you're listening on itunes remember to hit that subscribe button and also please leave us a review it's really important for the itunes algorithm we've got 28 reviews which is really good all five stars but we'd like to get up to 35 so um please take 30 seconds and leave us that review jeff do you have anything else
1: no, I mean, it's, it's one of the best weekends in sports coming up. So, yeah, it is. Uh, it's good to be back. We've got a lot of college football and pro football talking uh, the next few weeks, including uh, Orlando, where the Major League Baseball owners are meeting, and that is Hot Stove Baseball uh, owners uh, meeting. a lot of trades and free agent signings going to happen, so that'll be coming up in
0: the- Yes, absolutely. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Have a great week, great weekend, and we'll talk to all of you next week. Take care. Thanks, everyone.